your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome to Muskoka Drawdowns. I'm your host, Frank DeYoung. I'm here on behalf of Climate Action Muskoka. Check out the Climate Action Muskoka website and sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Have some fun with the Carbon Calculator. Join the Community Carbon Challenge. Create your personal action plan to reduce your carbon footprint. My guest today is Dr. Jennifer Purdy. She is a family physician who practices lifestyle medicine in Canada, Ontario. Dr. Purdy retired from the Canadian Armed Forces after 23 years of service. She lives in Dunrobin, Ontario, with her husband on a small farm. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you very much, Frank. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about your farms. Uh, well, it's it's a very small farm. We just uh, live on 29 acres, and um, my husband, will he cuts some hay. Uh, he isn't doing as much hay now because our family expanded quite a bit this summer. And uh, otherwise, we make maple syrup in March, and we have just a few animals. We have a couple of horses, although I don't ride. And uh, we have a couple of cows, and those cows are actually – they're living a natural life. They're not being uh, milked or anything like that, and they're not going to be um, killed for meat or anything like that. So it's a very teeny tiny farm. Sounds wonderfully bucolic. I know the Ottawa Valley a bit, and it's a magnificent place to live. Um, also, you mentioned to me that uh, your internet isn't that good. There were a few tiny little glitches already. You're on ExploreNet, and that's my satellite. So uh, we can tell our, our listeners that we're, we're talking over satellite. Yes, definitely. And uh, in, in a way, it's great that our video is turned off for that exactly that purpose, because <laughs> otherwise there, there can be a lag, because I'm sure some of your listeners unfortunately experience as well. You are uh, a you are a practicing doctor in lifestyle medicine. Can you tell everybody what lifestyle medicine really means? Yeah. So lifestyle medicine, uh, the term was coined in the early 2000s. There's an American College of Lifestyle Medicine and there's a board exam and I've sat the board exam. And basically what it means is it's evidence-based. So where possible, we follow the evidence. We use medication as necessary. Uh, but the focus is on helping people with chronic health issues or to prevent chronic health issues by focusing on five pillars. And those are a, uh, a healthy diet, which is predominantly plant-based, uh, physical exercise where possible, making sure someone's gained adequate sleep, uh, stress management, and then finally reduction of any risky or harmful substance use, including alcohol or nicotine. Wow, that's excellent. That's really important. Uh, the preventive health care will save like 80% of the health care budget, I understand. Um, but you probably, exactly. have to, you probably really have to practice that yourself because I understand you have um, a set of triplets that you are raising. Uh, how old are they? 
<laughs> yes, they're now, uh, they just turned six months old, uh, five months corrected because you were born a little bit early. And, wow. and uh, yeah, actually, I try to practice the lifestyle medicine where I can. Uh, my pregnancy was uh, 100% plant-based, actually, and went very well. I didn't have complications where I, there was every reason in the world for me to have complications, especially with triplets. Um, <laughs> sleep, though, as, I, as we just discussed, is a, is a little bit short uh, right now. So it's getting better. <laughs> and hopefully as they get older, I'll be able to become more mobile again as well. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Um, Jennifer, you are the shadow cabinet critic for health for the Green Party of Canada. Is that job keeping you busy uh, aside if you have a few minutes between feedings of your triplets? <laughs> you know, well, we still meet. Uh, we normally meet uh, once a month. So it does keep me a little bit busy, uh, thankfully not too busy given the, my new responsibilities with triplets. Um, busy, I'd say busy enough, but uh, especially for the health portfolio, uh, it could be busier, in which case I would definitely need some assistance. Well, we'll need you uh, as, uh, as the future comes along in, in Canada because um, lifestyle medicine sounds like it's the way to go. Also, Jennifer, uh, talk politics for a second. You ran as a Green Party candidate in 2019 because you are, uh, according to your website, you are very upset that um, Canada is not doing enough to uh, mitigate or deal with the impacts of unchecked climate change these are these are serious uh, serious allegations just give us a really quick version of uh, what you think the government of canada is not doing correctly oh my goodness <laughs> well a very quick version i don't know if that's possible but uh they're doing a lot of great marketing uh, that uh <laughs> saying that they're doing a really <laughs> that they're doing a lot but obviously uh to me uh, well, just the easiest example, and I also ran in the 2021 election. It's the same thing. Back in 2015, we were told that the the Liberals, if they uh, if they won, they would uh, cancel oil and gas subsidies, and we're all still waiting, right? Uh, they haven't yes. not they have not done that. Um, but also, we we need obviously we need to uh, transition more to renewable re renewable and sustainable fuel uh, like uh, energy systems, right? Yeah. And that hasn't happened. We need to renew the electric uh, grid and get uh, people onto that using solar and wind primarily. Not doing that. Uh, so and and even just uh, going back to what people eat, um, eating a plant predominant diet would be a much much healthier for a greenhouse. Uh, well, uh, gases for the environment and yeah. basically for climate change. And um, on the one hand, to its credit, the Liberal government did come out with the 2019 Canada Food Guide, which does actually encourage a plant-predominant diet. However, they are still subsidizing animal agriculture to the tune of billions a year. And uh, that's not beneficial for our health, for the environment, and obviously not for climate change. Yeah. Um, sounds like there's also you're aware of the hypocrisy or whatever you want to call it paradox at best of the of the Trudeau government that they they're subsidizing the oil gas oil and gas industry and they even bought a pipeline but at the same time exactly claiming that they're <laughs> yeah. doing uh, doing sufficient uh, GHG reductions. Oh, yeah. No, no. It, I'd say hypocrisy is the correct word to use, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, 
But at the same time, the, the, the Trudeau government put in the, the carbon tax, or it's a carbon fee uh, and levy and, uh, and, and rebate, is that, and it is going up every year as long as the Liberal government lasts, is that not a precedent-setting thing pretty much in the world? I, I think that's wonderful. I do like to give credit and where credit's due, and I think that's a fantastic step in the right direction. However, um, the bulk of what the government has been doing has been grossly insufficient, and the messaging has also been insufficient, too, uh, because a lot of people last election and 2019 election, I'm sure, voted liberal because they thought that that was good enough and that you know the liberals had a plan. The Conservatives had a plan, at least in 2021, and the NDP have a plan. And unfortunately, uh, they're not always, uh, you know, open, honest and transparent about how insufficient their plan is yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, yeah, in terms of attacking climate crisis. Yeah. So now, of course, the, the Conservatives under Pierre Polyev are riding quite high in the poll ahead of the Liberals and have been for the last year or so, only a couple of points ahead of the, and they are promising to kill the, the carbon uh, uh, fee and uh, rebate and um, have a completely different or uh, plan, whatever that we don't, don't know anything about. Are you not, a, are you uh, comfortable running for the Green Party when you are, quote, splitting the vote and uh, we're going to help the Conservatives get in? Oh, excellent question. And I have no political aspirations in that. And by that, I mean that I don't, I think like many Greens, I would not want to be a successful candidate just for the sake of having a position or power or whatever. I would, I've run and I would continue to run because I'm deeply concerned about climate crisis. And so even with the danger of quote unquote splitting the vote, the same could be said for the Liberal candidate or the NDP candidate, for the record. But I would continue to run or I would back whoever wants to run in the Canada Carleton riding and strongly support them because no other voice. You need something to, to, to speak truth to power and to, to say what's actually going on and to call the other candidates on the, in, on the gross inadequacies of their plans and policies and platforms, especially when it comes to climate change, because otherwise the liberal voters will, many of them will take comfort and feel great that they're voting liberal because gosh darn it, they believe that the liberals have a great climate a climate plan and that, you know, that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, it, this is completely maddening. And there was a poll just taken recently that uh, something like 75 to 80 percent of Canadians want to have a royal commission on electoral reform. Um, how do you see uh, proportional representation uh, helping out in this department, in climate change is- issue? It's interesting. I, again, a great question. I don't know as much about the, you know, the history of voting in Canada, but my gut instinct tells me we wouldn't be talking as much about climate change now if we'd had PR 20 or 30 years ago. Because I honestly believe we would have had much better representation uh, with the Green Party uh, and possibly with other parties as well, and therefore more push towards climate change action. And therefore, uh, it's quite possible to me that more we would be much further along now than we are had we had PR 
you know, which, yeah, exactly. So I think PR is a key piece. Unfortunately, every party that wins uh, that has promised to do so as the Liberals did in 2015, once you realize that PR is going to lose you votes or lose you, pardon me, lose you seats in, the, in, the, in any subsequent elections, you some, you know, you some, you develop cold feet. And we saw that with the Liberals in uh, 2015 as well. Yeah, I'm sort of I'm sort of amazed that uh, younger women like yourself still are having children. Aren't you scared? The daylight scared out of you about the future with the climate uh, crisis going on. And yeah, did you consider that that when you decided? Did you do you did you factor that into your decision to have children? I yeah yeah I definitely did because also it's it's a to me I tend to be a very ethical person. And it wasn't just the ethics as to how it would affect any kids that I might and actually now do have. It was also how, because the birth of a child here in a, in a you know, in a, in a more, you know, affluent setting, if we're looking at the world over, has a significant, a larger footprint than a child born in some other places in the world, right? Um, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I tend to be an optimist. I, I figured that, that, that this would... I really wanted to have kids and I, I w- I've decided that I would lessen their footprint as much as possible. So they will be growing up on a plant predominant diet. Uh, and uh, we will, I won't, I don't intend to show them the world through air travel um, at all, unless things change grossly in the aviation industry. And uh, I also knew that having more quote unquote skin in the game would, I mean, would basically dictate what I will do for the rest of my life, which is continue to work with the Green Party and work towards uh, climate change uh, and climate mitigation, which is basically where we're at now, right? Um, Yes, but excellent question, because I know many people, uh, men and women, are making very different decisions on that, and it may not have been the right decision, but for me, it was the right decision. Right on. Okay, Jennifer, we have to take a little break now, and uh, we invite everyone to come back after this break for the second half of uh, Climate uh, Drawdown, and we will be continuing to uh, chat with Jennifer Purdy. Uh, thank you. Hold on. Hold. Stay on the line, uh, Jennifer, for a couple of minutes. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome back to Muskoka Drawdowns. I'm very pleased to have uh, Dr. Jennifer Purdy as my guest today. Jennifer, thanks for being on my show. And um, uh, it was just in the news a couple of days ago that Lula was elected uh, as president of Brazil. He was the president before, and then he lost. And the, 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 the last president was going great guns on wiping out the, the rainforest to, to grow cows and meat and all that. But there is a promise by Lula to, um, to put a complete stop to um, rainforest uh, destruction. How important is this on the global scale, do you think, for the, for the planet? I think it's incredibly important. From everything I've heard, the Amazon and the health of the Amazon has a huge, huge impact worldwide uh, in terms of climate. Uh, so I'm, I was very happy to, I was very concerned to hear that I believe had gone to a second vote with Bolsonaro, uh, the former uh, president of uh, Brazil. Uh, but I was very relieved, as I'm sure many people, uh, many other people were, that Lula ended up being successful. 
And I believe he, he's already taken one of his first steps was to sign uh, a law or, or something to the sort, protecting both the Amazon and indigenous who have also suffered under Bolsonaro, the previous president's reign. Yeah, I, sometimes you read that, um, that what happens with the rainforest when they when they log it and cut it down and it turns into savanna, which means pasture, I guess, for cows. And at a certain point, um, the rainforest won't be able to recover, even if we stop uh, destroying it, because there won't be a, it won't be able to create its own climate, which, of course, is very, very humid. It will become a drier climate and then the whole entire rainforest could disappear. And in fact, people are saying now we're at the tipping point with the Amazon uh, rainforest and and that will cause in, in infinitely unknown amounts of uh, climate, uh, climate, crazy, crazy weather all over and could lead to, you know, billions of, car of climate refugees. It's just frightening what we're what we're dealing with at this stage with every passing day. Um, also, you probably were listening as all of us to uh, the UN Biodiversity Conference in Montreal, which is the COP version for biodiversity compared to the, the COP version for, uh, for CO2 emissions. Biodiversity, some people say that is the actual most important thing for us to worry about. Climate change can be reversed, but biodiversity cannot be ever reversed. When species are gone, they're gone forever. Um, were you following the, com the conference as much as you were able under your present domestic situation? <laughs> um, all, not really, to be honest. I, I'm aware that uh, we had one shadow, shadow ca uh, cabinet uh, member, I think, participating at least one. Uh, I am aware that they had a big win, which is wonderful, because I believe it's like tens of thousands of species are going extinct uh, every year. Right. Yeah. Uh, I believe is the statistic. So I was just following it broad strokes, probably no more than uh, um, than most Canadians. But I am happy to hear that there was a win there because obviously what's happening. And you're right. Like, I mean, there's the windshield sign, uh, which you'd see in Muskoka, as we see here in Ottawa, too, where you drive down the, the road. And uh, 10 years ago, you'd have many insects, you know, unfortunately to clean off your windshield nowadays, you don't have many at all. I think, no. you know, this, so biodiversity is obviously, it's a huge, huge issue. I think we need to focus on more than one issue at once. And so to me, biodiversity is not, I, I'm not sure that I agree as a lay person that, that biodiversity is more important than climate change. I think they are both, uh, you know, basically incredibly important. Uh, yeah. In terms of our, you know, our survival and 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 for you know just uh, for the for the earth and for people exactly. everywhere. No, it's amazing. Like uh, we are, we are a species that sort of we have domesticated ourselves. The way sometimes people put it, we we like to think we pretend we're not part of the ecology of planet Earth, and uh, and we pretend we're superior. Pretend we pretend we can manage the the, the ecology of the of the Earth, and um, but we can't. We are part of it, and we are inextricably linked with it. And if we don't if we don't back off and leave. Uh, vast sections of the planet to 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 the to its own and allow evolution to continue um, humans really have to back off and and so how do we get to that point of how do we leave how do we back off there's talk from the united states about the new green deal now that's a nice slogan and a nice three word three word acronym and all that acronym and all that but this is canada doing anything comparison are we 
serious enough? And can you outline a couple of the couple of the steps or points which are come to, are top of mind for you that uh, the government of Canada and the provinces and the municipalities and industry and the faith community, the academia, the the, the court systems, we all have to work together on this. Uh, can you give us any of your ideas of how to proceed? I'm sometimes I'm often at a loss. <laughs> Maybe you can help me. Well, I, I think the, the best way to proceed is to start. And, uh, you know, because as we discussed, even some of the easiest wins, like uh, cutting the oil and gas subsidies, haven't even started. If we would just if we want to start, uh, you start protecting more areas of Canada. Uh, like so, for example, here in Ontario, of course, uh, uh, our, the green belt was just uh, completely attacked uh, by the foreign government and and. Has like and they've just reclaimed some some lands that should be challenged in, in court if possible, and there should be an investigation as to how that has occurred, uh, because uh, obviously some developers appear to have benefited inappropriately. But anyways, we need to protect the land. We need to protect the oceans, uh, uh, and 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 have have legislation, have uh, lands carved out that cannot be developed, uh, that that and that cannot be farmed either. That can uh, basically be preserved. Number one, uh, especially wetlands, which are key for climate change. Uh, number two, we need to start moving towards uh, a different grid. Uh, a different grid, sorry. Like so, look at renewing the the electrical grid across the country. So and start putting a, a heck of a lot more resources into solar and wind energy. Uh, to help us start to get off of oil and gas, start to be retrofitting uh, buildings across the country. And then also, we also have to look after people because I think what what holds people back from being concerned about climate change when they actually get to the ballot box and vote is that might cost me. I'm How can I afford it if it's going to cost me more? So we have to make sure we're taking care of people along the way. So the social programs of the Green Party is usually uh, is has been in the platform the last several years, as far as I know, has been like pharmacare, uh, dental, uh, at least for uh, low-income Canadians. Uh, but also the big one that uh, I'd like to focus on is the just transition. Uh, the Liberal government, I believe, is just now uh, starting to talk about that. But we need to have a just transition, not only for uh, oil and gas workers, we need to have it for people in other industries, like, for example, fisheries industry. Nobody's talking about that. But uh, the fi- fisheries and the oceans are dying. And so the fisheries, um, people are going to be uh, losing their jobs in the in the fishery industries, uh, and they already are. So they, we need to have a just transition for them as well. Uh, we also need to have a guaranteed livable income. We, we really do, because as jobs disappear, um, there won't be, like there'll be more jobs occurring in the green industry, but they may not be happening in some places across the country. So people need to be taken care of. If we take care of people, then they can be, feel safer uh, in terms of knowing that they will have shelter. Oh, that's another thing we have to look after housing as well and be, be building, uh, you know, uh, affordable housing um, for everyone. But if we can t- look after people, then we can take the steps we need to for climate change. But we, we need to start and we haven't really started in a concrete way yet. Yeah, I I, I, I hear you and. It's it mind-boggling how, how much has to happen in the next decade or two. Um, do you actually think we'll reach carbon neutrality by 2050? At the rate we're going right now, I'd say no, to be honest. Yeah. Um, 
But on the other hand, uh, the only reason for optimism for me would be as more uh, young people come of age and start voting, if they come out to vote and if they can, uh, you know, if they are concerned about climate change and the environment, and many are, then that might start to persuade the major parties uh, that they need to spend a little bit more time and a little bit less talk um, focusing on concrete solutions for this. Yeah. Do you, okay. You are, to me, you're a sort of a perfect example of someone who's, um, who takes this seriously personally and politically. Now, some people say, well, we have, it's not my problem. The government has to do something. Other people say, well, governments actually never lead. They just do what the citizens want. So do we, is it going to be up to individuals to take action or can we rely, can we just step back and let government do it? Yeah, um, I don't think it's fair uh, because the climate change was not caused by individuals. Oh, pardon me. Sorry. The climate change crisis that we're facing now has not been predominantly caused by individuals, quote unquote. It's been caused by by corporations and, and by government complicity in terms of, for example, oil and gas. Oil and gas has driven climate change in Canada. People as individuals still need to heat their homes. Uh, like I'm on geothermal, but that's because I had the means to install geothermal when we bought our house in, two, in 2015 here in Ottawa. Yeah. Most people don't have the means, especially during a pandemic and after, you know, uh, we're in a pandemic as well. Many people that, that has hurt them financially significantly. Right. And we have a, a lack of a social net to support people. So we yeah. have to have government involvement significantly and there's a lot of money untapped it makes no sense that we have so many billionaires and multimillionaires in canada yet we don't have everyone supported for climate change or even everybody housed and supported as individuals so that they can live somewhat comfortably doesn't make sense yeah i i, I hear you and i like that uh, your your approach greatly um can you, uh, okay, tell us a little bit of, you say you have a heat pump. Is this air source heat pump or is it a, do you have a pond with the hose into the pond or how does yours work? Okay, so I'm trying to remember my terminology for this, but uh, yeah, so we uh, we have a like a geothermal means that there are um, holes drilled deep, in, uh, deep into the earth. And then we have uh, tubes that basically circulate I want to say antifreeze or a substance similar to antifreeze. And so that uh, the antifreeze is, is heated up, uh, uh, you know, underground, and then it's run into uh, into the house in a way that heats a house. And I'm so sorry. I'm looking for my words, but I'm, I've been <laughs> sleep okay. deprived for a few months, so it doesn't come easily. <laughs> I dare say, oh, you poor thing. Well, Jennifer, this has been so nice. You sound like a lovely person and you take your politics seriously and you take your life seriously. And um, uh, I'm sort of wondering what it looks like out your window right now uh, when you look at where you're living in Dunrobin. What's it look like? Well, uh, unfortunately, because of climate change, uh, we have a lot of green grass and a little bit of snow. We had a lot of snow, but of course it disappeared because we've had uh, freezing rain and rain for the last uh, week or so. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, uh, because we've got 29 acres, we've got just uh, uh, some open fields. But unfortunately, way too much green that I should be seen on January the 5th. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, we're out of time, Jennifer. I really appreciate this. Has been most lovely to speak with you, and uh, so pleased that you had you were able to make time from your busy schedule to, to, to chat with us this morning. Thank you so much. I laid there in the pine cones all night. I woke in the morning and all the trees were gone. I got this sinking feeling. Everything felt wrong. There were strip malls and dollar stores and diesel.